over the past few weeks, we've been looking at different doors. Um, we talked about the doors of discouragement, adversity, doors of depression. We, we talked about the doors that you go through and, and you get wounded in life. And uh, last week, we talked about the door of doubt. And what I want to do is kind of pull this all together today and conclude with talking about the door, doors of change in, in our life. See, I believe we, we live in a society that everything's fast. I mean, it is fast-paced. And, we, you know, we get fast food. We've got same-day delivery with things, email. Uh, computers aren't moving quick enough. We're, we're upset, and it's like they're already they're moving so much faster than they, than they were five years ago. And we want things quick, and we want them fast. We want instant wealth, uh, instant success, instant beauty. Whatever it is, we want it, and we want it now. You know, we sit in front of our TVs, or at least us guys do, and we've got our remote control, and we click and change the channels. Click, 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 click. And we think because we can change channels so quickly that we ought to be able to change our lives that quickly. And I believe that that is a myth that creates all kinds of pain and havoc in people's lives because... They think, I should be able to change like that. And as you watch television, I think it kind of embeds it in our minds because the advertisers kind of promote this quick change. You know, they're like, buy this product and get immediate results, guaranteed. You know, lose 10 pounds in 10 days while you sleep. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> It's that easy. You know, read this book and experience surefire success in your life. You know, this seminar will change your future overnight. And all these promises, you know, quick results. I want you to hold on to your seats because the truth is change is difficult. Change is slow. It takes time. It will require the best of your patience. You know, it's been my observation as I've watched people, as I've experienced it in my life, as I've spent time studying God's Word, that change is a process. And what I want to do is look at that process today and look at how God uses various doors in our lives to, to change us, to recreate in us. And one of the first doors that, that you approach when it comes to change is a thing called concern. And we find that we go through this door, and all of a sudden, you begin to be bothered by things. Something's not right in your life. You, you realize it's just not lining up. You start getting a little worried, a little anxious. You feel like things are out of balance. You may know what it is, or you may not know. It doesn't really matter. The fact is, in your mind, you kind of go, you know what? This just doesn't feel right. You know, you may feel like Job. Job wrote, he says, my heart is troubled and restless. You know, I'm, I'm not right inside. And that focus of concern, it could be anything. It could be a bad habit in your life. It could be a relationship that's going south. It could be a dream that's dying. It could just be something's out of whack. It's weighing you down. It's causing you distress, whatever. Whatever it is, you begin 
to be concerned about it. You know, this, this just isn't right. Or maybe in your mind you think, you know what, one of these days, I'm going to start working on that. And I think the word that best describes the, this door in, in our life is, it's uncomfortable. We get uncomfortable. And, and that discomfort, I would suggest, comes from God. You know, it's the Holy Spirit prompting inside us, kind of like, hello, it's time to change. You ever had that happen in your life? Hello, it's time to change. Think about Deuteronomy uh, 32. It says God, God is like an eagle that stirs up its nest. You know, think about a, a mom eagle. And she's got the little eaglets in their nest. I think that's what they're called anyway. And at some point, she wants them out of the nest. Some parents know what that feels like, right? They're going to move away when they head to college. Don't count on it. (laughs) But the mother begins to tear the nest apart, forcing those wee little birds to start to fly. And some of you... You feel restless right now. You feel uncomfortable. You feel troubled because something's just not right in your life. And what I want to say to you is congratulations because God's stirring up your nest. God's getting you ready for that door. God's getting ready to change you. And it's exciting. And and what I find sad is that most people do not get past this door. They, what they do, they live their entire life kind of ignoring the concern in their life, uh, putting up with the discomfort and the struggle. They, they know something's not right, something's messed up, but they, they ignore it. And if you ignore it long enough, what happens is it ends up on the back burner in our lives. And this is where we get real strategic. Because... Then once we get it to the back burner, we begin to shy away from things that will remind us about that burner. We begin to try and convince ourselves, you know what, it's, it's really okay. Things are all right. It's not so bad. And I think, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Well, I think it's because we're afraid. We're, we're afraid to do anything about it. We're afraid... And inside, we're kind of comfortable with our discomfort. You know, we've kind of buddied up to it. We think, you know what? If I change, I don't know what's going to happen. And so what most people do is they never change. They just go in and out of this door. Something doesn't feel right. I'm uncomfortable. I'm okay. I'll be all right. Everything's fine. This doesn't feel right. I don't like this. It's fine. It's fine. You know, this feels messed up. It'll be okay. I'm okay the way I am. And we spend our lives going in and out, in and out of the door... And to be honest, that's where most people stay. And they spend their entire life going in and out, in and out. 
And I think that's why God opens the next door. You know, God pushes you through the door, and it's the door of crisis. You know, and we've talked about that through this entire series, that there are times you don't get a choice. You're going through the door. You know, it happens when you get knocked down. It happens when you get burned. It happens when things begin to spin out. And all of a sudden, that issue that you put on the back burner, it gets right in your face. And the pain gets so bad, you can't ignore it anymore. You know, it's there. You've been suppressing it. You've been trying to ignore it, maybe, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your vocation, maybe in your life, and suddenly the pain's so great, you can't ignore it anymore. That's crisis. Maybe you got fired. Maybe you had an accident or an illness. Maybe the creditors are moving in. Maybe the, the bottom falls out on you. And this issue, this thing on the back burner begins to say, Hello, I'm a problem. Do something with me. Do something. It happens when a spouse walks in and says, you know what? Enough's enough. I cannot continue to live like this. In fact, I refuse to live this way anymore. And that thing gets in our face. You know, maybe it's a minor issue that becomes a crisis. You know, it's that one more thing, you know, the... One more thing in the apple cart tips. It's the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's not a big deal, but you add it up with everything else that's been building up, and it turns into this massive crisis in our life. And I think the word that best describes that door is pain. Pain. It's that inner struggle of of hurt. David says in the Psalms, he goes, I'm in despair, I'm exhausted, I'm crushed. I would translate that as, I'm miserable and life stinks. It's not good. Sometimes God gets our attention that way. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, God sometimes uses sorrow in our lives to help us turn away from sin. God ever done that in your life? You know, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change. I mean, for some, that's the only time God gets your attention. To be honest, things get bad and you go, God, I need you. And then things get better and we go, hey, it's been fun, see ya. And that's how we live life. How many of you are old enough to remember the game show, Let's Make a Deal? A crazy show, wasn't it? I mean, Monty Hall was... uh, the uh, announcer and worked with everyone and uh, people would dress up like all kinds of crazy things like people would come dressed as a chicken and like they'd bring a dozen eggs with them or they would dress up like uh, Richard Nixon and bring cassette tapes and that kind of stuff. You know, well, it could happen. (laughs) The younger ones are going, I didn't get that. (laughs) If someone next to you didn't laugh, just afterwards tell them, fill them in. But everyone was hoping to be a contestant. They were hoping for an opportunity to trade something that they had for something better. 
It was a whole show about wheeling and dealing. You know, Monty Holly had the blitz round when he would go, I'll give you $50 if you have a cheeseburger in your purse, you know. And uh, he would say, I'll, I'll, I've got two tickets to Hawaii if you've got kumquats. And people have all kinds of stuff. I mean, they bring these huge bags full of things, hoping that they figured out what he was going to ask for. And then those that got to become what I'll call a contestant, where they got to trade several times, there would come a point, and Monty Hall would go, how would you like to trade what you've got for what's behind door number three? Now, a person had to make a choice here. They had to decide. And most of the time, they knew what they were trading in, but they had no idea what they were trading for. And so they would make the trade sometimes, and it'd be a great trade. They'd get like a new car. And other times they would make the trade, and then the door would open, and there'd be like a pig in a dress, you know. you get zonked. It was a crazy game. You just never knew what was going to happen. Well, friends, I want to tell you that there comes a point in life where God kind of steps in, and says, how would you like to trade what is behind door number two for what's behind door number three? And unlike the game show, you're not going to get zonked. But God says, you know what? You've got to make a choice. That's a door of choice. This is a turning point. This is where you get to decide. You know, am I going to move forward or am I going to retreat? You know, am I going to deny that there's a problem or am I going to deal with the problem? Choice. Am I going to take responsibility? Or am I going to continue to blame other people? Am I going to begin this task of changing? Or am I going to slide back and defeat? Decision time. Balls in your court, God says. I believe that one of the greatest gifts God's given us is that ability to choose. Freedom, freedom to, to make decisions in our life. I like the way Job put it. He says, we choose the sounds we want to listen to. We choose the tastes we want in food. And we choose to follow what is right. When, when you face this door of choice in your life, you can't procrastinate. Usually because the problem has become so big, the crisis hits. Again, whether it's at work or with a friend and marriage in your life, you, you have to face the pain, or you got to run from it. That's a decision. You know, the world will give you all kinds of ways to avoid going through that door. You know, you can turn to drugs, you can, you can get drunk, you can have affairs, you can drown yourself in television, you can sleep your life away, you can eat yourself into oblivion. The world's really good at saying, escape, get away. Lots of ways to hide. But friends, it's your choice. You're going to walk through that door? Deal? No deal? It's a decision. So, so let's just say, let's just say that we decide we're going to walk through this door. I'm going to change. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make an effort to, to change my life. How do you feel when you go through that door? Scared. It's frightening. You're scared because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's behind the door. You don't know what to expect 
when you go through that door. Some of you made that decision and said, you know what, I'm going to go through that door. I'm going to work on my relationship. I'm going to break this habit. And it's scary because you've gotten used to this situation. You've gotten used to the stuff that you're having to deal with. You start thinking, well, what if I change and I don't like what I change into? You ever thought that? That keeps us sometimes. Just a little bit of a heads up. When you go through this door, you make a decision to walk through it. There's something you need to know. There's a good chance. There's a good chance that things are going to get worse when you go through that door initially. Things are going to amp up. The pain is going to increase initially. How many of you have ever been on a diet? Come on. All right. How many of you were too embarrassed to raise your hand? <laughs> yeah. What, what are the worst days of a diet? When are they? The fir- first few, right? Why? Because your stomach's growling and you're hungry. You know, I start dreaming about Big Macs and giant chocolate bars walking around on the street and a pool full of Doritos. And, you know, the first days are always the most painful in a diet. When you start an exercise program, I started playing basketball this week. By the way, you want to get schooled in basketball, show up Thursday nights. We could use a few more. But I woke up Friday and I thought, wow, I heard I haven't played for a couple months. It's always those first few days, those first few weeks, you get up, you're sore, you can't walk, you hurt. Start thinking, I'm too old for this, you know, all that stuff. It kind of hits you. But friends, when you make that decision to go through that door, the pain increases before it gets less. And you know why? Because you're in new territory. And you're going to be tempted when you first walk through that door to bail. Say, forget it. I'm not going to change. I can't change. You ever pick up a piece of wood that's been out out in the yard for six months, the grass is kind of dead and everything, and what happens when you pick that up? There are all kinds of bugs underneath it and all these critters and things you didn't even know existed. And the fact is you're tempted when you first pick that up, what, to drop it and say, forget it, somebody else can deal with that. And that's what happens in life. When, When you open this door... When, when you start shining the light around, at first it's kind of ugly, and you're a little scared. You're, you're tempted to kind of drop it, not deal with it. And I think that's why God moves us to the next door. And that's the door of comprehension. It's the place where we begin to gain a new understanding. You know, God, God begins to open our mind and our hearts. Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing our mind. God begins to transform us by changing our mind. When we open that door, we begin to think differently. Hear this. You can't change until you change the way you think. 
Do you hear that? You can't change till you change the way you think. I mean, okay, you, can, you might be able to for a little while. But it won't last. For lasting change to take place in your life, you have to change the way that you think in your life. When you go through that door, you begin to change your, your perspective about God, your perspective about the situation, the problem, the people that are involved. You begin to see things more clearly as God begins to open them up. And you actually begin to understand what the real problem is, what it's going to take to change. The, the fact that you're going to need God to make change. Any significant change in your life, you need God alongside. John writes, and Jesus said these words over and over, and we talk about them a lot, but then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We talk about that a lot because truth sets you free. Where do you get truth? Well, you get it from God. God, God has the truth about whatever your crisis, whatever your problem, whatever your struggle is, you see, your problem isn't your problem. Your problem is the way that you look at the situation. Jeremiah says the heart's deceitful. You know, we have this incredible capacity to, to lie to ourselves. To, I mean, we do it all the time. We, we fool ourselves into thinking they're the problem. They're the problem. You know, the problem's out there. See, the heart's deceitful. And when you finally face the problem, you can change things. We, we tend to see from our perspective, true? That's how we analyze everything. Well, how does this affect me? You know, it's about me. And God says, you know what? You've got to step back from it. And God says, come see it from my perspective. And friends, when you go through that door, you begin to get some insight in your life. Begin to get some insight. And I think at this point, in this whole process of change, you begin to be cautious, but you have some hope. Because you begin to see the truth, and the truth starts unlocking things and setting you free. Now I understand. Now I understand what's going on. Maybe, maybe I can change. And, and you start finding hope, and you get motivated, and all of a sudden you start seeing how things connect and fit together. You go, ah, that's what was going on. That's what's happening. And see, I truly believe that God will begin to increase your understanding of the situation if you just ask Him. Ask Him to get involved in that. Throughout Scripture, there are numerous times God gave people new names in the Bible. And I always found that interesting. I was like, why, why does God do that? I mean, God changed uh, Abram to Abraham changed Saul to Paul. He changed Jacob to Israel, Simon to, to Peter, you know, the rock he was going to work through. Why'd God do that? Well, I think God opened that door and said, you know what? You need a new identity. I'm going to help you see things in a new light. And so he changed their names so that there was a, it was a physical reminder to them I'm not the same person. There are two things that you need to remember. When God is working in you, when, when you open this door, you start learning some things about yourself at first, okay? At first, the truth doesn't set you free initially. You know what it does? It makes you miserable. But ultimately, it will set you free. And the second thing is knowing the truth 
and dealing with the truth are two very, very different things. You know, I believe we make the mistake in, in our lives of mistaking believing for doing. You know, now, now that I know what's wrong, I'm cured, you know. Now that I know what the problem is in the relationship, it'll be great. You know, now that I know this is a destructive, bad behavior, I'm free. Now that I understand the issue in my personal life, it'll be okay. It's fixed. It's finished. And friends, it's just not the case. This stuff trips us up. We do it all the time in the United States. We go to a seminar and we come home and we put our notes on the shelf and we go, well, got that one. That one's under my belt, you know. Listen to a motivational tape or CD or whatever, and you go, got that, next. And there is a big difference between knowing the truth and applying the truth. We get this false sense of security and satisfaction because I know, because I have this vast knowledge, I've done it. And that's just not right. If you're not careful, that can happen like every Sunday around here. You know how this goes, right? Sit through a service like this and you go, wow, that makes sense. That makes sense. I understand what God's word's trying to say. Wow, I have changed. No, you haven't. Just because you know something doesn't mean anything. It's when we become doers of the truth, not just knowing the truth, doers of the truth. Lots of people get jammed up here. They get stuck. They know what to do. They just don't do it. And that's why you've got to like shift gears here. I mean, you've got to go into fourth gear to get through the fifth door. The fact is, if you're going to push through this, you've got to go through the conduct door. You've got to begin to act on what you know. James 2 says, faith is not, not accompanied by action, is dead. The key issue is, will I apply what I know? Some call that repentance. Repentance means acting on what is right. Now, I know a lot of people think repentance means just feeling sorry for something that you did that was wrong. You feel sorry, that's repentance. No, it's not. Let me ask you this. Can you feel sorry about something that you did that maybe was wrong and still not change? You bet you can. You see, I believe it's far easier to cry than to change. It's far easier to shed tears than to change. It, it takes a lot of strength and ability to begin to live your lifestyle and allow your behavior to change. That's hard stuff. Door four, it's about the mind. This door, it's about behavior. It's allowing what you think to impact what you do in your life. Now, here's a, here's a hard fact, and I'll include all of us, everyone here. We all know far more than we do. Just that simple. We know more 
than we actually do. We always know more than we do. This is one of the problems with the Pharisees. The Pharisees, you know, we always go, ooh, don't like the Pharisees. But their problem was they knew what to do. They knew all the laws. They could quote scripture. They were scholars when it came to the Bible. They just didn't apply it to their lives. You walk through that door of conduct, and friends, all of a sudden you start making changes in the way that you act. You know how you're going to feel when you first go through that door? Probably frustrated. It'll mess with you a little bit. But let me tell you something. If you feel frustrated initially, you're moving in the right direction. You're making progress. You know why? Because you're not where you used to be. You're not where you want to be. You're somewhere in between. And you're not just stuck being comfortable with being discomfortable. You're moving forward. Why do we get frustrated? Well, anytime you start a new behavior in your life, it feels awkward. It feels strange. It's counterintuitive to what you've been used to. Like, let's just say that you decided you're going to spend quiet time with God. You know, and you leave here today and you go, you know what? I'm spending 15 minutes a day with God. That's my change. Well, I can tell you at first it's going to be frustrating. You can get up in the morning and go, okay, this is my 15 minutes with God. Hey, God. It's me, Damon. Uh-huh. Um... Wow. Um, Hey, thanks for everything I've got, man. It's cool. Fourteen more minutes. You like football? I like the Steelers. You do? All right, cool. It's not easy initially. In fact, some of you... Maybe you've made that commitment. You go, yeah, it was kind of like that initially. But if you're serious about change, you do the right thing, even when it's awkward, even when it's odd, even when it's difficult, even when you're just not clicking with you. In fact, I would say to you, if you wait till it's easy, you will never change in your life because it's never easy. The reason why it feels strange and odd is because your image hasn't caught up with your behavior yet. Just behave the way, do what's right, and ultimately it'll catch up. And there's one more door, and that's commitment, the commitment door. You've got to commit to continuing the process. You will never arrive. You will never get there. You will always have more to work on. You will never finish changing in your life. Ephesians 4.23 says your attitude and your thoughts must constantly changing, constantly be changing. In other words, it's a continual process. As a Christian, we're called to be like Jesus Christ. In other words, we are to keep changing. Theologians call it sanctification. It simply means you're growing. Are you growing as a person, as a Christian? The big myth that's out there is at some point you will arrive. Da-da, I'm there. Things will be perfect. There won't be any more problems, no more pain. 
Well, just a little heads up. The only time we're going to get to that point is when we're on the other side of the sod. It's in heaven that everything will be perfect, that, that we will find that, that place. Some of you, if you've ever worked on something, have you ever worked on something, changed something in your life, and, and you get to a point and you go, ah, glad that's done. And the longer I walk with God, the more I realize that it's never really done. In fact, what happens is somewhere down the road, that issue, whatever it was, that I thought I had worked through and I had changed, God says, you know what? I'm going to raise the bar a little bit. Now we're going to take it to another level. You know, I want you to learn something, a little bit more about yourself, about me, about the world. You know, so let's revisit this again. And friends, you don't start over. You start where you left off. God says, you know what? I'm going to keep growing you. I'm going to keep changing you. I'm going to keep you moving forward. And I know every time we hit that phase, we're tempted. In fact, every one of these doors, you are tempted to bail out and go, you know what, it's too hard. It's too difficult. It requires too much, and that's why you've got to commit to the process of change. It takes more than desire. It takes discipline. It takes commitment. It takes pushing through it even when it's not comfortable. And you know what I figured out? Very few people are willing to go through that door because it's hard. But you got to commit. You got to commit to that. You know, it is a lifelong commitment to, to learning, to, to changing, to growing over the long haul. So, real quick, I'm going to just blitz through these. But just things you got to remember pay attention to God's promptings in your life. Pay attention. Listen to God's guidance when, when you're living this thing called life. And in the midst of crisis, in the midst of problems, don't run from God. Run to God. Hang on tight to God. You know, God, God's going to get you through whatever it is you're going through. And remember, you're going through it. You know, God, God's going to be there. God wants to help you. Jonah 2.7. It's one of my favorite passages because it's just so full of hope. And Jonah's in the belly of the, of the whale. And he says, when I lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. Run to God. Ask God for the courage to, to go through those doors. You may not know what's on the other side of that door, but I guarantee you God will go through that door with you, that God's with you. You know, spend time in God's Word. That's where you're going to find a lot of truth, a lot of encouragement. And that's the truth that will help set you free, that will move you forward. Remember that information without application just mess you up. You've got to act on what you know, and you've got to expect that God will help you. You know, the psalmist writes and says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him to help you, and He will. God will be there. See, I believe it's as much about God power, and we tend to think it's willpower. No, it's God's power. It's God pushing us and helping us. It's, it's sticking to the plan even when it kind of doesn't make sense. We want to give up. It's keep on keeping on, keep pushing through. And I know as I've been talking today, some of you have been at a quitting point in your life. You're at a quitting point. You're ready to give up on marriage. You're ready to give up on that dream, on your health. You're 
tired of trying to overcome some bad habit in your life or some problem that you've been trying to solve or overcome some obstacle and you're just ready to quit. And God's got one word for you today. Don't. Don't. Two wonderful promises, and I'm going to close with these scriptures. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not get tired of doing what's right. For after a while we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't get discouraged and give up. I like the words. If you quit, if you bail, you're going to miss God's best. Philippians 1.6, in fact, let's, let's read this together. Be confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The God who started something significant in you. God that created this universe, the God that created you, knows you better than you know yourself, makes a promise that he will finish. He will finish what he started in you. You can change. And that's a good thing. But you've got to go through the doors. And it's not going to happen overnight. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. God, I pray that you would stir in us. Mess up our nest. God, that we would get so uncomfortable that whatever it is you want to change in us, uh, we'd be open to that. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom to take those steps. God, I know change. It comes hard. But I pray we would just cooperate with you. That we would allow your Holy Spirit to guide us. God, I know there are some here today that are ready to give up on something. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. I know you want to help. Pray you would encourage them. They would know you're right in the midst of it. That if they'll just hang in there, that you got a great future for them. God, I know there are some here today that if they gave up a long time ago on something, they just need to know your grace and help them see from where they're at today what what steps you'd have them take. God, we thank you that you loved us so much. You're not willing to let us stay the same. God, help us to change. It's in Christ's holy name we pray.